What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? It's your co-host, Ridge. We're back with another episode. Yeah, uh, we are back, Jack. Chess over here. Good to be back, as always. Um, on an international break, which is always a little bit tough, but we got a, a week of uh, from the recap from last weekend and uh, some more things we'll get into, so excited to be back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good call with international break, Chiss. Um, we're going to be covering a little bit of last weekend's action, like Chris said, and then we're also going to, because we're about 20% of the way through the season, uh, start to look at some of the business that's been done uh, over the summer. How, you know, What's the return on investment looking like? What's that? Uh, are, are those buys coming good um, or not? Um, and then we'll talk about you know some areas of opportunity that we think some teams have to address in January in the transfer market. I'm taking trivia or answering trivia from Chris this week, right? Yeah, yep. I got trivia then, ready for us. Nice. And then, uh, and then we're gonna we'll we'll end with talking about some of the anticipated fixtures coming up uh, after the international break. So, Chris, I think we'll start a little bit top top of the table, and and I've actually got some bottom of the table observations as we progress here. But let's start a little bit with the I mean the marquee fixture of the weekend: Arsenal beating City one nil. Uh, what were your thoughts, observations from the game? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a huge result. Um, really shakes up the table. So you know, it's the first time that City has lost back-to-back matches in the Prem since 2018. Uh, credit to Arteta and Arsenal wow. for coming out with a big, a really good game plan that was effective. Uh, I know we talked last week, too, about how City were going to miss Rodri, and I think they definitely did. Um, they were not super dominant in the midfield um had silva coming in and playing a a similar type role kovacic uh, was an important piece in there too who really struggled really should have been sent off um for maybe a straight red and then definitely a second yellow if not for the first foul so you know city just looked um like they, they they go out and play every week exactly how they want to play it seems like and they weren't able to do what they like to do this match um, I also saw another stat. This was the fewest shots for any Pep-managed side since 2010 when he was with Barcelona. Uh, it was only four Dang. shots. Four shots for Man City. No goals. Um, Holland, wow. not much of a factor. And, I mean, credit to Arsenal. They played really, really well. Their goal was a bit lucky. Uh, Martinelli off of the face of Ake with a big deflection. But, hey, I, I don't think that we can say that City deserved the win. Maybe a draw was the fairest result, but you know, credit to Arsenal for going out and getting the goal they needed. Right, and it's the second time that the Arsenal, this Arsenal's team, has beaten City, right? Because they beat them in the Community Shield as well. Yeah, second time this year. Um, yeah. Right. So Arteta's got Pep's number a little bit in the uh, or this this year, and it obviously a lot's made up of the whole Arteta Pep rivalry. Arteta, you know, used to be Pep's protege, and. Um, you know, now now he's got this Arsenal team flying. I thought, yeah, I agree. I think nil nil probably would have been a good result, or a fair result. Um, but Arsenal are always trying to keep it close, right? Contain the explosive Manchester City attack, and um, and then nick one when they can, and and they did, and and, and they won the match. So uh, I think full credit, and I think to your point, it does shake up the table nicely. Uh, so as, as a neutral, you gotta love it, you know. Yeah, I love the result. I mean, the match was a little bit of a letdown, I think, watching it. It, it wasn't super exciting. I, watching two really good teams play is always going to be interesting, but it didn't have a ton of action. Um, but a late goal gave it some drama, and yeah, I think the, the biggest takeaway is the results going forward in the table. Now we have 
Uh, Spurs at the top of the table with Arsenal level on points, uh, and they're actually level on goal differential as well, uh, two points ahead of City. So now things are looking really interesting at the top with City also having to play Brighton next, team that could potentially give them some trouble. So, you know, we're only eight matches in. It's really, really early to try to figure out um, if City are going to keep things interesting all season or if they'll run away with it like they did down the stretch last year. Right. But for right now, I mean, we're definitely interested. We've got six teams within four points at the top, uh, and that doesn't include United or Newcastle or Chelsea. Um, So really, really interesting top of the table right now. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's such a stark contrast result from I I think when Arsenal and City played towards the tail end of last season um, when City were still behind Arsenal and then City won and it was a six pointer and you kind of felt like that was the moment where the title was officially gone for Arsenal um, because Arsenal would have won that and then there was a big golfing class that game I think Holland that's the one where Holland scored without you know his hair and a pony and he's like Viking warrior long blonde hair bouncing everywhere and he i think he banged in two goals that game they went they won three one i think it was um uh but yeah it's a good illustration i think where this arsenal team's at and they they've obviously strengthened significantly in the transfer market um adding anywhere from a goalkeeper to central midfielders to you know additional attacker attacking support and um, you know, I think the city team's also strengthened, but coming off a treble, I don't think they have the at least yet. I don't think the team is purring quite yet, but no one's certainly picking City to drop out of the title race uh, this early. No, and then the other thing that it has to be mentioned that I kind of can't believe we didn't talk about is no Saka in this match either. Um, I believe it was 87 straight Premier League matches he'd played in. Uh, so to not have him and still go out and get the result, we talked a lot about Rodri uh, being out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Saka has been massive, so hopefully he'll be back. I know he uh, didn't travel with the England squad over the break, um, nursing an injury, but I don't think it's anything too serious. But that's that's obviously a big blow for them, so being able to get the win without him, credit to them for that as well. Yeah, I reckon he will be back um, after the international break, but you're right, it's nice that he is. I think the international break kind of, it's like a nice bye week that came for him. Right, know? yeah, it's uh, good timing. Good, good timing, yep. Um, and then winners, top performers. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the standouts of the weekend, Chris. Let's talk about individual performances. Um, if you captain this man in FPL, Mohamed Salah, um, you know you ended up feeling pretty good about yourself. He had two goals and uh, a penalty and and a nice Darwin assist. Uh, I think Harvey Elliott dummied the dummied the pass, and Salah had his biggest FPL haul of the season, and uh, Liverpool ended up throwing away a bit of a. Uh, a bit uh, a lead against uh, Brighton to draw two two, um, so I got to give him some shout out, King Mo. He's still banging him in, even though he's out wide and the attacks all changed. It's not quite Bobby and Mane and uh, Salah like it used to be, but he's still you know returning and getting assists and, and goals regularly for the Liverpool attack. Yeah, I mean quietly eight weeks into the season, he's got five goals and four assists, so he's been about as productive right. as anybody, um, and really not getting as much attention as he has in the past. And you're right, with less help than he's had, I would say, too. Not that, I mean, Liverpool do have options, but um, there are some newer players that he's got to gel with. And you're right, he's playing wider, probably a little bit less direct as a, a goal-scoring threat. But five goals, four assists, numbers speak for themselves. So shout-out Mo there. Uh, although they, they couldn't hold on and get that win, um, so that, that's a little bit tough for them. And then another guy who got on the score sheet twice was Alexander Isak. 
I've seen a lot of pundits this week on on Twitter and uh, other like news news outlets in England talking about how Isak has more talent and more more to his game than Holland does. Um, I mean, he's it's, it's he's an interesting case so far this season because he really hasn't started. I, I'd have to look at the numbers, but he hasn't started that many matches, I don't think, or at least him and Callum Wilson have traded back and forth in the lineup quite a bit. He's still at six goals this season. Um, he's he's been very productive. He's got I guess he's actually gotten seven starts. So I don't know. Maybe it was just one of the recent matches he didn't start. Um, that might be an all competition. So regardless. Um, Six goals, and uh, this is a you know a, a young player who they spent a lot of money on, just 24 years old, going out and getting two goals. Also, um, similar result for Liverpool, where um, they didn't get the win, but uh, late goal from from West Ham stole two points from them. But Isak starting to come into form. Yeah, it's a good call out. So Isak does have six Premier League starts and one substitute appearance. Um, he does have six goals. Uh, and and so you're definitely seeing a passing of the torch from um, our fellow podcaster, Callum Wilson, 31 years old, leading the Newcastle attack, to Alexander Isak, uh, who's 24, um, and a really strong attacking player. And, and I, I think it's a funny debate, like, who has more to their game. I think if you were to say who has more to their game, I think Alexander Isak does than Erling Holland in terms of m- more mu- multifaceted, right? Um, Isak's very pacey. He's good in the air. So bring some of the things that uh, Holland does. But he's definitely a better dribbler. Um, so Isak's played out wide a few times, better carrier of the ball than Holland is. I think Holland's stronger and, and uh, you know, more of a pure finisher. But uh, Isak's definitely a good player. Both Scandinavian. Isak playing for Sweden and Holland playing for Norway. So uh, there's a lot of good footballers coming out of uh, the Scandinavian region, kind of entering their early 20s right now. Um, uh, yeah, Odegaard is, as well, you know, obviously. Uh, right, we could probably get a whole separate pot about that. But no, you're right. I mean, he's a, he's a really exciting player. And if you're a Newcastle fan, I mean, you got to be buzzing to have him. He's an awesome player to watch. Um, and I would want him starting every week over Callum Wilson, who definitely is going to, I think, fade into the role of being a super sub as this season progresses. Yeah, no, um, like I said, a couple other uh, performances. So Cole Palmer kind of went under the radar as a signing this summer. Um, interesting decision from City to sell him. He was definitely, I'd say, like their biggest academy graduate, um, besides maybe Rico Lewis, uh, over, over the recent years. And he... Didn't really get any starts in the Premier League, but he was starting to get a lot of appearances off the bench, and Chelsea decided to spend a good chunk of change on him. Um, he came out and got a goal and an assist this weekend, so really big shout-out there. It was against Burnley, but we finally saw Chelsea scoring goals, 4-1 win. Um, Sterling also uh, getting on the score sheet again. He's been pretty productive this season, but Cole Palmer, goal and assist in the second half. Um that could be a could end up being a really good signing for them. They've the one thing I will give Chelsea credit for. They've obviously spent an absurd amount of money. They have invested in young players for the most part. So if they if they hit on some of these guys, they could be in a good spot. I mean, they're all on like what eight year contracts. So yeah. if, if some of them end up being good, they'll have them <laughs> through the prime of their career, uh, ideally. So um, it, that was kind of a surprise performance, but he got the start and uh, really made the most of it. Yeah, some of the injuries at Chelsea are obviously forcing them to rotate uh, uh, their their lineup from an attacking standpoint. Cole Palmer, I watched that game. I thought he looked really strong. Um, he's he's got a, a really deft first touch, and he's 
sort of in some ways a smaller version than Isak, but sort of has is he's lanky and able to kind of like just kill kill the ball at his feet. Uh, the ball seems to kind of die at his feet, and then he keeps it close to his body. Um, and he, he put a penalty away. I think it was his first Premier League goal, actually, as well as first goal for Chelsea. So he never scored a Premier League goal for Newcastle. Or hey, for, for uh, City. Yeah, I think he City. had scored some yeah. in, in some cup competitions, but not in the Prem, I believe you're right on that, yeah. Right. So, and and I think when he was at City, I was actually thinking about this afterwards because James Trafford was the goalie in the Burnley game. So James Trafford's a City gra- Academy graduate playing in goal for Burnley, who Cole Palmer scored the penalty against. So it was for City Academy versus City Academy. And I was wondering, you know, if they've played against each other in training before. Um, but if you look at the City team, there's actually no... I mean, there's no consistent starters. There's no core members of the team who have come through the academy, which is really interesting now that we're, you know, several years into Manchester City being renowned for having the best dietitians, the best academy, the best, you know, fitness gurus, right? Like they have uh, supposedly the best and best members of their club and staff all kind of top to bottom. It's, it's what, how they market themselves and what players say when they go there. But then, if that's the case, shouldn't we see some players come through that city academy at this point and get regular playing time? But it seems like the model that they're following is, and this is just based off of you know recent business, is uh, you know sort of sell as players get around their, you know they get a, a first uh, maybe a first team appearance or two, and then they get rid um, before they hit you know twenty two twenty three. Um, and, and end up making decent money on them with a buyback clause. Uh, they've done this with a bunch of players, um, and none of them have like ventured into the first team at a young age and stayed there. I mean, Rico Lewis is like the closest thing we've seen, but even he doesn't play regular, you know, every game. He's not a starter. He's not a... He's also, he's yeah, like, also only 18. So, I mean, he, he could develop one. The we'll way see. that Pep talks about him, it doesn't seem like he would want to sell him. He, I mean, he gushes over Rico Lewis but you're right I mean there's really and you look at other clubs uh comparatively you got Arsenal Liverpool Chelsea all guys that have come up through academy that have like had pretty consistent runs in their senior teams and City are really the outlier there I mean you can you can kind of go through every Premier League team there's usually at least one one guy who's like in and around the starting 11 every single time who's from the academy Crystal Palace Tyreek Mitchell Aston Villa uh, Jacob Ramsey, right? Like you can kind of go through th- these teams, and usually there's one. There just isn't one at City, and it's just especially interesting because of how much they invest in their academy, right? Like, um, so you would think it would be the opposite where they add more. So we'll we'll see. You know, uh, time will tell, I guess, and we'll see if Rico Lewis cements a place and, and becomes a regular starter. But uh, something occurred to me as I was watching Cole Palmer kind of put that penalty past James Trafford that this is interesting. You know? No, definitely. Um, and then the last one I had here, or no, I guess he had two more, but the last guy who scored this weekend, Scott McTominay, a brace off the bench for uh, a huge United comeback. I believe in our picks last week, I did have United 2-1 uh, over Brentford and McTominay, <laughs> two late goals to, to seal that. Um, and I think maybe he just knew that he was heading out for Scotland duty soon, so he decided he needed to get on the score sheet. Uh, but that was that was a pretty wild finish to that. And McTominay is a guy who he can do that every once in a while. I don't know if he's a consistent performer. And he doesn't really play the way that United ask him to all the time. But uh, two nice goals and three massive points for United when they really needed him. Yeah, he gets a weird amount of goals from deep-lying midfield positions. Uh, he's big on set pieces. Obviously, both of these goals were 
uh, were headers, right? Um, and or at least the second one was. Yeah, I and, think they both were. I'm trying to think of what the first one was, but um, yeah, I mean, he's, and, he's and definitely an aerial Mc, threat, big dude. Right, and McGinn is sort of similar from Scotland, where he's obviously smaller, but gets a, lot, a bunch of goals from central midfield. So Scotland, kind of plucky team to play against. Yeah, I mean, that game was wild. I had Brentford winning 1-0, obviously, from her predictions last week, and I thought I had that one in the bag, and then didn't work out. Yeah, no, that was that was quite the, the turn of fates there for me to be correct and you to be wrong and then all in the last, like, five right. minutes there. Um, and then the last one I had in the winner's top performers, someone we really haven't talked about, I don't think, on the pod this year, is Sam Johnston. Uh, very quietly leading the Premier League in clean sheets so far this season with four. Uh, Palace only conceded seven goals so far in eight, in eight game weeks, so... Um, really, really impressive stuff from him. Another clean sheet against Forrest. And it, his his spot was really in jeopardy with the signing of Dean Henderson. And Henderson came on uh, in a cup match, got hurt 20 minutes in, had to come off. And uh, that, I really, I guess that kind of secured Sam Johnston's place as the number one. From what I've read, Dean Henderson, I think, might be the highest paid player at the club now after Zaha's departure. So it's a really expensive backup keeper if he doesn't end up taking the job. Mm-hmm. But, um, Credit to Sam Johnston. He got called up to the England squad. He's been really, really good. And, I mean, a lot of it's also down to Mark Gay, Joaquin Anderson, uh, Warden Mitchell. Palace has defensively been really good overall, but Johnston's played great. Yeah, full credit. Palace are going to keep a good shape. They're not going to play expansive football. They're going to be difficult to break down. Um, They're well-drilled. And to have a good keeper at the back of that, they're tough to score against. And uh, I think that's going to be the nature of their season. It's very Roy Hodgson football. Um, and, you know, they're going to finish between 9th and 15th and get to the next season. And we'll see, you know, get closer and closer to the Palace Stadium expansion. And we'll see what happens as we get closer to that. Apparently that's kind of coming along nicely, which... Well, you know, I feel like Palace. Palace are difficult to support because I say difficult. They're, I mean, they always. I don't know. It's. A, I guess it's a case of like, what do you want from your football club, right? Like, do you want consistent progression, or do you want players to just go out and give it their all for their team every weekend and support them? Um, you know, win, lose, or draw. And I think what Palace do is they play well and play within their system and. Every Roy Hodgson gets every gets good form and effort out of his players, but you know I I don't think that top down I don't think from a recruitment and and scouting and and squad development standpoint Crystal Palace are in a place where you know they can you know if you were to hold up a mirror to Dougie Friedman and and, and Steve Parrish and say hey you know are you guys pushing in for Europe do you want to finish top four they you know they're going to say, sure, yeah, we'd like to, but are they actually making a, a concerted business effort to do that? No, they're not. No, but I did see, speaking of the stadium stuff today, they were talking about it's coming along, but a lot more expensive than initially thought. Who would have, who would have guessed that a stadium expansion is going to cost more thunker. than you would have uh, originally projected? Crazy. Um, two quick things on the, the losing sides this weekend, just because I think these are potentially really consequential, uh, consequential results from the weekend. Uh, for teams that are hoping to stay in the Premier League. Uh, we had uh, losses for uh, Bournemouth, who had you know a, a match against Everton where you'd think this might be a game where we could pick up some points. Uh, 3-0, and Everton picking up some momentum. They've won two out of three now, kind of climbing out of that bottom three, bottom four area. Um, Bournemouth 
really, really struggling. They've scored five goals in eight matches. They've conceded 18, three straight losses where they've given up at least three goals. Um, not a lot of promising stuff coming from them. And then the only other winless side remaining winless this weekend was Blades, um, who also had a good chance to pick up points. I would have thought, I mean, some chance at least, playing at Fulham at Craven Cottage, 3-1 loss. They've been outscored in their last three matches, 13-1. to um, So we have two teams at the bottom of the table with no wins and not a lot of life coming from either of them. Uh, Bournemouth played Wolves in their next match. We've got Blades playing United, both at home. But um, the bottom of the table is starting to take shape. And Luton and Burnley have both shown a little bit of signs of life. And, and uh, Bournemouth and Blades have really struggled. Yeah, which it's... I mean, unless Bournemouth have a squad where they shouldn't be down there, right? So... I think if you're forecasting what happens over the next couple of months, I do expect the three teams going down to be Luton, Burnley, and Blades, the three promoted sides, um, because Bournemouth have some, uh, you know, some decent players in their team. Uh, Phil Bill, big shout out. Uh, I do think um, Ariola, the manager at uh, Bournemouth, is his bum is probably getting warmer because at this point, like the, the way I look at it, Hacking Bottom should have been sacked. I mean, I'm shocked he hasn't been sacked since the international break started at Blades. You, I mean, I you did, gone, you did say it was going to happen. You, you said it. Yeah. So we I'm shocked get... that hasn't happened. It's too so, bad you haven't so gotten that, a whiteboard like, of accountability yet because they ought to have been up I know. there at the top. I, I literally ended our pod last week, and I have the note on my phone to buy a whiteboard. But the second thing... But, like, that makes me think that Blades are just, like, in it. You know, they're just like, all right, fuck it. Like, we're staying with this guy. Like, we don't want to pay for a new manager and contract and, and separation. Like, that makes me think that they almost, like, just, like, have resigned to the fact that they're going to keep Hecking Bottom for the rest of the season. Uh, because the time to sack him was Monday. So, if they are, they're missed that window, that makes me almost think that Areola is on the hotter seat at Bournemouth. Because Bournemouth, I know, actually have spent some money have some American ownership, want to actually progress the club, and they've got to be feeling pretty fucking stupid right now for having fired their manager who's sitting at Wolves in, in 14th and have got a couple decent results now on the bounce. So uh, I think maybe Ariola at, uh, I think it's his, his last name is Ariola at, uh, at Bournemouth, is probably the, um, he's probably the, hot, the manager on the hottest hot seat. Warmest bum. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't really disagree with you there. Um, but I will say that I think Burnley have the potential to stay up. And I also think that Bournemouth are deserving what they get right now by sacking Gary O'Neill. I think that was just a really stupid, okay, so, misguided decision. Yeah, really dumb decision. Okay, so if if you think Burnley is going to... So Burnley out of the three promoted team, you think they're going to stay up? I think they could. I don't necessarily think they will, but I, I, I think they have enough talent and... Um, Support from the club to to be able to make the push, maybe bring in an extra player or two in January. So who goes down then if Burnley were to stay up? Bournemouth? Probably. Yeah, I mean, they would be the likeliest, I think, and unless Everton, you know, doesn't doesn't do anything. But I think I, I would pick Everton over uh, Bournemouth to stay up right now. I, I think right now Luton is likely down. be a great story if they stayed up. I think Blades are down. And then it's one of the Burnley, Bournemouth, maybe Everton. One of those three, but I would say probably Burnley or Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, there's a huge golfing quality from there's there's right now four teams at the bottom of the prem: Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Blades. 
Um, I wish it was four. I wish I could kind of Luton had a nickname like the Mad Batters or something. Um, <laughs> so it could be all bees. But uh, Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Blades are those bottom four teams. And then you go above them and there's a massive golfing quality. Then you get Everton, Brentford, Wolves, Forest. I mean, these are big clubs with big, with big squads, good Premier League established players in them. Um, so those four teams are definitely the relegation fodder teams. It'll be interesting to one of them is going to is going to scrape out scrape out you've got to pick Bournemouth just based on squad quality is to be the team that scrapes out of that four but who knows I mean Bournemouth could be an absolute dumpster fire and and they could you know uh, I, I just think that that's why I think Ariel has got the the warmest bum in the prem because I think they are the favorite to win out of those four and stay safe but if they you know muck it up and and uh, don't don't correct and kind of write their ship sooner rather than later then they're going to find themselves getting sucked into a into a battle with Luton, Burnley, and Blades. Um, and one of those other teams, like you said, Burnley could end up staying up. Yeah, I think that's those are all good points. So um, let's move on from that. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit of uh, updates on summer transfers. Yeah, so uh, the, the format we've got going, uh, Chris and I, we, we're going to go through best. We're going to pick best, worst, um, and who will come good but hasn't yet summer signing so far. So like, Best summer signing so far. Who who are we buzzing about? Who are we like? Yeah, that was a good move, the good business. Who were we like? That was shit business. And then who are we like? And eh, we think that could be good business. You know, like we have faith that that, that will come good. Um, so best signing uh, of the the summer so far, twenty percent of the way through the prem. Chris, you want to kick us off with 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 best? I can. I also have a backup for this one, just in case you pick the same one as me, because I think I figured there might okay, be I, a, a slim chance. But I was going to go with Pau Torres. Pau Torres, you went best. Yes, and it's he's partially it's partially because of the circumstances with Tyrone Mings getting hurt uh, in the opener for the entire season. I don't know if we would have seen Torres come in quite as quickly and uh, establish himself as like a, a permanent fixture in this squad. But they they spent thirty three million on him. Um, they signed him from Villarreal. Emery had experience working with him already. Seemed pretty safe on paper, and it's worked out pretty great for them so far. 26-year-old center back. He's started, I believe he started every game since that opener uh, when he came on for Mings. And he does so much for that squad, um, so much more than just defending. When they play out of the back, everything goes through Torres. You kind of need that center back who's a ball-playing defender nowadays. And it it frees up Consta to just defend when he's playing with him. Um, I think he's been an excellent addition to the squad. Uh, I think they got him at a really good, fair price to spend, you know, under forty million for a guy who's twenty-six who could really play for them for the next four years, probably in the Premier League and be an effective player. Uh, I think it was a steal, and it, and especially having someone that Emery has already played with so long, it it really just uh, accelerated his uh, ascension in the squad. I think it, it just feels like he's been there for a long time watching him play. Wow, I'm I'm tell you what, I'm grinning ear to ear from that pick. I absolutely love that pick. I he was not in my top. I have like a little short list of players here that I have for best signing so far. He wasn't even in my short list. I hadn't even thought of him. And I listening to your reasoning, couldn't agree more. Villa sitting fifth in the table, great start. He does look like he's been there for ages. Just scored on the weekend. Yeah, um, I got to hand it to you, co-host. Well done. Um, I'm shocked. I was like 99% sure you were gonna say James Madison was the best signing of the summer. Um, I liked I liked a couple of Jameses. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I zigged when you thought I would zag. So 
Yeah, fair. Uh, so I think I think James Madison's in the conversation. Uh, he's actually not my pick. I, I think it's hard to not pick anyone from Spurs that's new into the team. So I think James Madison deserves some love there. Um, I think also uh, in goal, Vicario has been a really, really strong sign. So he was my well. backup um, if, in case you had okay. Torres. Okay. Um, so I think both of them are excellent shouts, uh, and, and Vicario has done no wrong um, since since joining, which, uh, you know, I, he didn't. He stepped up, and uh, that kind of passing of the torch, he's been a huge upgrade from Loris, who, you know, people have questioned him over the past few years, but was club captain. So, yeah, that's a great signing. I, I'm actually going to, I'm going to, it's a little annoying, but I'm going to go to Liverpool and go Dominic Sabaslai as the signing of the summer. Uh, he he's just nasty he's nasty and he i think liverpool have a little bit of that bite back that they had a few seasons ago and i think that bite comes from really good central midfielders who push up and can get you goals and i think Savaslai, he can shoot from distance he's got a handful of assists already this premier league season um and he's very young, captain of Hungary. He brings some of that like leadership edge. And I just think what a, an absolutely massive upgrade Liverpool have from getting rid of Jordan Henderson and picking up Dominic Sabaslai. Huge upgrade. So I think he's the, the signing of the summer so far. I love that pick. I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I know we've talked a decent amount on here about our influence from football manager. And he was one of my favorite players I ever signed in football manager. Uh, he's very versatile, too. I know he's been playing in the central midfield, which is where Liverpool had a huge need coming into this season. Huge uh, but need. He, huge but need. He, he is like a very versatile attacking player. Um, could play on the wing, I think, if they needed him to as well. And he's fit in like a glove. Um, you know, between him and McAllister, uh, I think Slobozai has been a little bit of a class ahead of McAllister so far. I, I think both of those are going to end up being really good signings for them. Uh, but I, I love that pick as well. It was a, a real coup for Liverpool. I mean, that guy should have been getting attention from every big club in Europe. Right, right. I agree. Um, all right, so worst signing so far, uh, so far of uh, of the Premier League or the, the summer window. Um, I guess I'll lead this one off first because you let off last time. Okay. I'm going to go to the bottom of the table. Now, obviously, I looked at I don't want to have I don't want to kind of cover all my bases here, but I looked obviously at Manchester United and a couple of big names that were signed for big fees there. Um, I also saw big money spent at Chelsea and thought I didn't really I haven't really seen the impact there. Um, and and so I think I honestly there's quite a few misses uh, up up and down the table. Um, but I think in in this you've also got to factor in. Uh, the style that the club plays, the money that they spent to transfer in the player, and then also the wages that the players cost. And so um, I think I'm going to have to say Justin Cliver from Bournemouth. Bournemouth are without a win this Premier League season. Justin Cliver has played four times, four starts, and three substitute appearances in the Premier League. He's averaging a 6.2 uh, who scored rating so you know, kind of like a fought mob rating he has zero goals and zero assists and he is currently the highest salaried player on bournemouth's payroll what an, and they cost him about 11 million pounds in the summer what an absolutely rubbish piece of business doesn't start every game he's our highest paid player he doesn't have a single goal and assist return justin cliver worst piece of summer business so far I, I can't disagree with that. Um, the numbers don't lie. You've done some good research there. Uh, so 
I mean, yeah, Bournemouth, you need, if you're going to be spending $11 million in the window, you need that guy to be impactful uh, in a season where you're going to be fighting to stay up. So, yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. Um, my pick is complete opposite end of the table. And I don't, this one's a little bit tough. It might be a little harsh of me, but it was just a signing that when it happened, I think a lot of people were scratching their head. And it was, this one was not hard to see coming. Um, but I'm going to go with Kai Havertz at Arsenal. Um, mm. They spent 50, uh, 75 million is what transfer mark says. I saw on Sky Sports, I saw 65 million. So somewhere in that range, like 65, 75 million. Um, I mean, that is a big, big transfer fee, especially in the same window when you're signing another midfielder in Declan Rice for over 100 million pounds. You're going to go out and spend this much money on Kai Havertz, who we've watched for years at Chelsea do nothing. They, they don't know what position to play him at. He can't score. He's not like a true central midfielder. Um, Chelsea had multiple signings around this time. Havertz and Timo Werner, who came over from the Bundesliga and just did not adapt to the Premier League whatsoever. They were young players, really expensive. We already saw Werner get sold, and I don't think he's really done anything going, since going back to the Bundesliga either. But Havertz is just a player... Uh, with no confidence and no natural position. And you're throwing him into this Arsenal squad that has a lot of good chemistry, young talent. I still don't know what his position is. And they gave him a goal on a, on a penalty, and a, a penalty that really didn't matter to finally give him a goal. And I just can't see this working out. Um, and if I'm wrong, then credit to Arteta or uh, whoever like pulled the trigger on I'm really bringing this guy in. I don't know if Mikel is really involved in making that decision but that's just so much money to spend on a guy that we've watched fail for years in the premier league and i think everyone could have seen this coming and eight matches in i really don't understand what this guy's doing in their squad um we saw Jorginho play against man city like why would you not just be playing Jorginho ahead of kai every week um i i don't get it and and you look at how good rice has been too um it's gotta be tough for kai to come in as a new player and it be compared or, you know, sat alongside Declan Rice, who has been excellent. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but that was like a really easy pick for me. I had a, a few others that we could have gone with, but um, that's where I went. So keep So keep in mind the next category we have is uh, who will come good, but hasn't yet. Um, and it's like, I, I picked Kai Havertz for that category. <laughs> like uh, I, it's, it's funny. He's, he did score the uh, the the goal. I mean, I feel you, right? Like, does it kind of feel like that goal is like just covering up what sort of a failure he's been? He's not exactly like he's a good dribbler and a good passer of the ball. He's not he's, awful. He's not an awful yeah. player, but he's no nowhere near the quality that demands that kind of transfer fee to come into a squad that's trying to challenge for a title. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we just talked about Zobis. Oh, I talked about Zobislai, and you, you echoed that. Like, I would much rather have Zobislai 14 times over than than Kai Havertz, right? And they play, like, the same position now in their teams. Yeah, so well, you didn't actually pick him as the player that is going to turn it around, right? No, no, okay. no. I'm just saying, like, what what if I did? Like, we would have, a like, a raucous debate, you know? Yeah, well, I picked Justin uh, Cluver, so... Yeah, nice, nice. Um, no, so we're signing... Um, I, I, I like I can't believe neither of us said I like honorary mention obviously 
And I'm maybe happy we didn't do this. Like Andre mentioned to Andre Onana at Manchester United and like letting David De Gea go and bringing Onana in for big money. And he's been brutal so far. And then also I was actually going to say if we were, I thought we might actually pick both United players because I was going to say Mason Mount. Because um, Mason Mount, they spent a lot of money for, um, I think, what, like 65 million pounds um, or 55 million pounds. I think it was in the 50s, um, but still a lot. Yeah. I mean, a ton of money. He hasn't really played. What position does he play in the Manchester United team? I don't know. Right? Does he play holding midfield next to Casemiro? Uh, does he play attacking midfield where Bruno plays? Like, it's just a weird one where he doesn't really fit into the team, and I don't really know what he does well. And Manchester United are off to a shitty start to the season, and he hasn't really played very much because he's been injured. So, Mason Mounts, uh, I think, in that conversation. And but I'm almost nice. Like, it's so easy to kind of jump on the anti-Manchester United. Bandwagon. I'm not defending them by any means, but I'm, it's kind of nice that we both went outside of that because um, Twitter loves doing that, of course. Um, and then who will come good but hasn't yet? Anyone you've got, uh, not named Kai Havertz, Chris, who um, it, you think you see potential down the line, it just hasn't come to fruition maybe quite yet. Or maybe it has a little bit, but you, know, you see more. So this one is, uh, I feel like it almost feels like cheating because... The reason why it hasn't come good yet is because he hasn't been able to play. Uh, but I think we've talked so much about all these Chelsea signings, and one guy who's kind of flown under the radar because he picked up an injury right before the season started is Christopher Nkunku, uh, who they signed from RB Leipzig. This guy is is pretty proven uh, at a high level. They went out and spent uh, roughly like 60 mil for him, um, and they actually secured this transfer uh, well before the summer, um, it's just that he, he the transfer became official in the summer window. But in the Bundesliga, 119 appearances, 47 goals, 43 assists. The guy's a very, very good playmaker who can score, and I feel like he could really, really boost this Chelsea squad right now. They're struggling with uh, Nicholas Jackson, who has not really... Um, done anything so far. We didn't mention him in worst signings because it, he wasn't as expensive, but he's he's been pretty rough. Um, Sterling has stepped up a little bit. Maybe Cole Palmer is going to add something here. Broja is just still not really back. And Cuckoo could really add a different element to their attack. And I think that it's really unfortunate that he got hurt right before the season started because he was someone that I was looking forward to watching. So I'm going to you know put myself out there and say that I do expect him to come back and be effective. Uh, I think he should be back early November. Might take him a little while to settle in, but hopefully around like Boxing Day, he'll uh, be up to full fitness, and uh, we'll see if he can help Pochettino uh, get more goals on the on the season here. Which they've started to pick it up a little bit, but that's been that's been their biggest issue so far is their attack. So, yeah, yeah, they're crying out. That's that's a great call. He definitely has flown into the radar. Obviously, he hasn't been able to play, but um, that fits within the parameters of the question. So, good comms. Uh, I I think for who hasn't done the business yet? Who might come good? We haven't really talked about Brighton at all. Brighton are kind of funky. I'm not going to talk about him right now, but, you know, honorable mention, you maybe got Ansu Fati, right? Very big name signing. Um, could come good in that team. Take over Sully Marcher's place. You got uh, Baleba, who people are saying is the next Caicedo in central midfield. Brighton just kind of interesting, and they, they've hit a little, they've stuttered a little bit. I said that the fans might be looking for the uh, emergency exit button, right? They're locating it on the last pod um, after a 2-2 draw with Liverpool. I still think they're in the process of locating said emergency exit button, um, maybe just delaying finding it. Uh, for 
I think the player who like hasn't come good yet. I'm gonna give this to Muhammad Kudus. Shout out Nick Harmon, big Kudus fan. Uh, Kudus did score this past weekend for West Ham. West Ham have some ballers, straight up ballers. Um, obviously, JWP has come into the team and, and made a difference already this season. Um, if you look at their, if they play with JWP in a holding midfield role with say Suchek or Alvarez, who they just spent big money on too, right? So they've got depth, they got options there. And then you go into central midfield and you start Paqueta in the middle, Kudus on one side, Jared Bowen on the other side. Like that is a nasty midfield five. Um, and I, and I think Paqueta's having a great season, looks really good. Um, but Kudus is, I, I just think he's world-class. I think he's a really, really good player. A really good athlete, really good finisher, strong, uh, good dribbler, passer of the ball. He does everything pretty well, and he's young. So uh, he's my pick. I also want to give some love to Brent, Brennan Johnson up there at Spurs, I think. Uh, when Brennan Johnson sells into that uh, Spurs team, he's in, he's, he's going to come good after a little while, but he hasn't really done much yet. Yeah, well said. I was going to give a shout to Brennan Johnson, too. Uh, he did pick up an injury, so we'll see. He might, might take him a little while to really get his footing in that squad, but I think he's a very high potential player. But I love the Kudus pick, and West Ham do have a lot of ballers, so uh, well said. Um, ballers. So do you want to move on to trivia here, or what are we thinking? Yeah, let's rip. Let's okay. go trivia. Let's go trivia. All right, this might take a little while. I'm going to try to put you on the <laughs> clock as best as possible because we had a long trivia last week. And it's funny because last week you put me through 20 teams – it was pretty tough. Um, I did not fare very well. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I, I did find a couple of trivia options, but um, nothing that I loved that much. So I actually found uh, something on the Premier League website that I wanted to run you through here. It is a quiz that they put out to test your knowledge about the 23-24 season through eight weeks. It's called "How much do you know about the season so far?" Shit. I did take this quiz uh, before we recorded on my own, and I got 19 out of 20. There are 20 questions. So we're going to go rapid fire. There are multiple choice, so it's going to require a lot of reading from me. I really want you to try to be quick about it, like five-ish seconds per answer. It's really not that hard, uh, but we're going to see how you do, okay? Okay, yeah. Nice. Right, Thanks cool. for telling me your results before I, I did it. 19 out of 20. 19 out of 20 is the score to beat. So, you know, not a lot of wiggle room. Um, okay, first question. And we are on the clock. So, which of these players was not signed by a Premier League club in the summer 2023 transfer window? A, Ross Barkley. B, Jakob Kiwior. C, Dominic Zobozai. D, Sandro Tonali. B, 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 B. Okay, question two. Which Premier League manager did not take charge of a new club this summer? A. Sean Dyche, B. Andani Iriola, C. Dyche. Mauricio hey, hey, Pochettino. Hey. Okay, yep. We'll move on. Question three: Who scored the first Premier League goal this season? Dominic Calvert-Lewin. A. B. Erling Haaland. C. Rasmus Hoyland. D. Bukayo Saka. Holy shit, that's a good question. It's either B or D. Um, first goal. I'm gonna go Saka. D. Question four. Which of these teams have Man United not lost to in the Premier League this season? A, Brighton. B, Palace. C, Spurs. D, Wolves. Um, D, Wolves. Question five. Which team were forced to postpone their first home match of the season because of stadium work? 
A, Liverpool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't want to have to read the questions. Today. That one was an easy one. Question six. Which of these defenders has scored this season? A, Joachim Anderson. B, William Saliba. C, Thiago Silva. D, John Stones. Uh, the, Anderson scored. Okay. Question seven. Who struck both goals in Liverpool's 2-1 win at Newcastle United in August? A, Bobby Firmino. B, Darwin Nunez. C, Mohamed Salah. D, Virgil van Dijk. Nunez. Question eight. Who won August's EA Sports Player of the Month award? A, Musa Diaby. B, Joel Linton. C, Sam Johnston. D, James Madison. D. Question nine. Who won August's Budweiser Goal of the Month award, becoming the first player from his country to win a Premier League monthly award? A, Kevin De Bruyne. B, Kairou Matoma. C, Michael Olise. D, Ivan Perisic. Ooh, gotta go Mitomi. Mm-hmm. B. Question 10. What is the highest scoring match this season with the most goals in total? A, Burnley versus Spurs. B, Fulham versus Chelsea. C, United versus Wolves. D, Sheffield United versus Newcastle. D. Yeah, that's a tough one when only one team scores as well. All right, question 11. Which of these players has not scored a hat-trick this season? A, Erling Holland. B, Sun. C, Salah. D, Ollie Watkins. C, Salah. Question 12. Since the start of March, Aston Villa have won 10 consecutive matches at Villa Park in the Premier League. Who was the most recent side they beat at home? A, Brighton. B, Burnley. C, Chelsea. D, Southampton. A, Brighton. Question 13. Of these four teams, who have both scored and conceded the most goals? A, Bournemouth. B, Brighton. C, Luton. D, Man City. Wait, so scored and who conceded. Who have both so scored com- and conceded the most goals. So a combination of, go- of goals for and goals against. Correct. Bournemouth, uh, Brighton, definitely. Luton, City. Definitely Brighton. Question 14. Which side have kept the most clean sheets so far with four? A Palace or A Villa, B Palace, C Spurs, D West Ham. I'm going to say Palace. Yeah, we we talked. A couple of these things we talked about in the pod today. Question 15. Three players are tied with the most assists this season with five. Who is not among that trio? A Bruno, B James Madison, C Pedro Neto, D Kieran Trippier. Ooh. Who is not at five? Correct. Say say the options again. Bruno, Madison, Neto, Trippier. Bruno. All right, question 16. Which two players are joint second in the race for the Castrol Golden Boot with six goals each? This is the funniest question. So which two players are joint second in the race with six goals each? (laughs) A, Ayu and Sterling. B, Ferguson and Holland. C, Son and Isaac. D, Jesus and Salah. Definitely C. (laughs) Yeah, that one was so stupid. Okay. That's a waste of time. Question 17. Which player became Burnley's youngest ever Premier League goal scorer during a 4-1 loss to Chelsea? A, Amin Al-Dakhil. B, Josh Brownhill. C, Wilson Odebert. D, Chris Wood. C, uh, an A, scored no goal. Watch that game. Yeah. Okay. That no, no extra credit for that. Question 18. Roy Hodgson took charge of his 400th Premier League match as a manager on October 7th. Who did his Crystal Palace side face? A. Everton. B. Leeds. C. Man City. D. Nottingham Forest. 
They just played five years ago on the seventh. They played Forest. Correct. I love how Leeds is an option there. All right. Question nineteen: yeah. Which Arsenal player have started has started had started eighty seven consecutive Premier League matches up until match week uh, match week eight? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Credit Jaco was an answer there. All right. Question twenty. Who has made the most passes this season with 756, having also topped the table for the whole of the 2022-23 campaign with 3,208? A. Luis Diaz, B. Luis Dunk, C. Carlton Morris, D. Rodri. Wow, most passes, and it's between Rodri and Dunk. And... They led the table last season as well. Yeah, they had the they had topped the table for the whole of the last campaign. Wow, that's a fascinating question. Um, Rodri's been out. I really want to say him, but I think it's Lewis Dunk. Final? Final. Wow. I really wish you would have gotten that one wrong because you went 19 for 20, just like me. Yeah, which one did I get wrong? Uh, it was early. It was, oh man, it's a, it was a tough one. Who scored the first Premier League goal of the season? No, it was Holland, not Saka. It was Holland. They played Burnley. I remember it well. He scored in the no. third minute. Third minute. No. Yep. You're right. I remember the goal. Oh man. The one that I got wrong was the Wilson Odebear for Burnley. Oh, Wilson Odebear. I knew the Lewis Dunk one. What'd you say? You say, who did you say? A or B? I said A. Did you say Dockley? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just didn't know. But it, it's funny because the Lewis Dunk one, I did know. Um, because I knew he had the most passes in the Premier League. When I was looking up trivia a couple of weeks ago, I saw that he was leading the Premier League in passes. And then you gave me that trivia last week about pass success rate. And I believe yeah. I said Dunk, and I don't think it was right. Because I knew he had completed the most. Um, yeah, it was Gilmore. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I was pissed off about that. And uh, yeah, there you go. So that's revenge. But 19, you tied me. That's tough. And I think it was harder for you because you had to uh, be, you know, like verbally taking that test. And I got to look at the answers. But either way, uh, well done. And uh, yeah, Erling Holland, third minute against Burnley. Damn, that's annoying. Yeah, I remember it now, obviously. Yeah. Um, Saka, you let me down. And he wasn't going to be the answer to two questions because he had another one later. Yeah, he did. He did. But you, they did go like uh, consecutively like that. So, um, and to be fair, I think like three of those questions we like literally talked about today. Like Sam Johnston, clean sheets. Yeah. Like Palace with the most clean sheets. Um, yeah. So that that one was. I think the Saka one you would have gotten anyway. But regardless, let's get on yeah. to our uh, most anticipated fixtures for the weekend. All right, most anticipated fixtures for the weekend. So let's well, this is, and keep here. in mind, this is the weekend of the 21st. So um, I don't know if we'll record next week. If we do, it'll have to be something more obscure topic-wise because we won't have any games to recap. So no games this weekend. This will be the following weekend. Um, but, yeah, leading off with City against Brighton. Yeah, I think this is an I mean, obviously interesting game. Both teams not, exa- not coming into the game on great form. Uh, and we all know Pep has a ton of respect for Deserbi, Roberto. Um, I think City at home win 3-1. I think Erling Holland gets at least two and, and really kept, sort of uh, like pick up a little bit for him. Coming back from the international break, he's playing well for Norway. Um, Pep will take a little break, I think, and um, 
or kind of reset the squad and they'll come back and play really well at home against Brighton and kind of get the train back on the tracks. Yeah, it seems like there's no way they could lose three in a row. Um, so I will I will say they win. I'm going to go 2-1. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit closer. Brighton are going to be needing points as well, and City will have had a lot of players playing during the international break. So hopefully, uh, fingers crossed for no major injuries over the break as always. But we'll go 2-1 City. They do need the, to bounce back in a big way. Uh, next match is Chelsea at home against Arsenal. Yeah, Kai Havertz Invitational, Chris. Who you got in this one? <laughs> the Kai Havertz Invitational. Um, you know, it's it's a tough one because I just trashed him, but I kind of want to go with the Kai Havertz team still. Um, Chelsea, have they've started to turn around a little bit. They had two goals against Fulham, four against Burnley, but that was Fulham and Burnley. Uh, Arsenal's a different beast. I do think Arsenal, as long as Sock is back and healthy, uh, will win this one, and I don't think it'll be... Uh, Chelsea's finest day. I'm going to go 2 0 Arsenal. Ooh, I kind of like that result. Uh, I'm going to go 1 0 Arsenal. Okay. And then our last one is Villa at home against West Ham. This is actually a standalone Sunday game, I believe. Yeah, the only match scheduled for Sunday, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, Villa home against West Ham. What do you like here? Yeah, this is interesting. My. Uh, the. My tactical analysis of Villa so far this season is that we Villa are really good when attacking on the counter, right? Really good against Brighton, 6-1. Really good when teams try to play through Villa uh, because Villa are really good at, at, in their shape, breaking up play, and countering quickly. When Villa play teams that go into the low block they struggle so they struggled against uh, Everton the other week teams that are willing to let Villa possess the ball around the perimeter they, they've just struggled against those teams this season it's why they haven't had the best start in Europe either it, so it's really really difficult to say that they're going to beat West Ham and beat West Ham handily they're, but they are at home they've been playing really well at home I think this could be a cagey one and could end up being 1-0 Villa with with like a set piece or with uh you know maybe a penalty claim or um you know some sort of screamer i don't think there's a ton of goals in this game so one nil villa okay yeah um i think you talked about west ham having ballers uh, villa has a couple as well and this is a this is actually a really awesome standalone game for a sunday i think this could be this has the, this has the potential to be a really really fun watch um, one nil would not be that fun, so I'm gonna be more optimistic. Mm-hmm. I'll go two two, um, and I'm I'm expecting Ward Prowse or Bowen to get in the score sheet, uh, and then hopefully Ollie Watkins can consider uh, continue his really good form. He started to step up uh, for Villa, and he's you know got selected for England, so I'd love to see him kick on and, and keep scoring goals. Fair enough. Um, well, that's the slate for the uh, the following weekend. This weekend, uh, kick back, watch some NFL, college football, enjoy Mich- Michigan's undefeated start to the season. They have a um, bye this week, but yeah. <laughs> well, of course. You're going to enjoy it. You're, in, you're enjoying it nonetheless. You're enjoying the undefeated start, you know? True. Go uh, Lions. It's a stre- it's a, yeah, it's a stress-free weekend. Go Lions. Um, outside of that, Chris, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, just that uh, my mic's been acting a little funky, so hopefully it wasn't a big problem this episode. And if it was and you got this far, hats off to you. Uh, but uh, we're working on it. And I uh, appreciate everyone listening. We've gotten a little bit more into a swing of things here. So we'll, we'll keep going at it and uh, getting pods out as much as we can. 
Jack just moved down to Miami. He's working out of a new lavish studio, so uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure he was excited to, to get uh, that tested out as well. Yeah, Miami Vice Studios LLC is where I'm working out of. Uh, Soundcheck 1212. It's good down here. Humidity, not so good. It is humid. Um, I played footy last night and just, I think I must have lost like six or seven pounds just in fluid leaving my pores. So, um, yeah, credit to Messi. He's balling down here. And a lot yeah, of I'm sure the leagues are packed Messi. now with the addition of Messi, right? How many Messi kits right, exactly. have you seen so far there in Miami? Are- they're they're everywhere. There isn't a kid under the age of ten without a without a soccer ball since Messi's gotten here. So that's a fact. That could be that. Messi could be what we needed to turn around. We're gonna win the twenty twenty six World Cup. I can feel it. Yep, that's exactly what the United States national team needed. All the seventeen year olds are gonna start playing soccer now, all those football players and are we're gonna be the best right. in the world. You know, all those right. high schoolers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, as always, gang, appreciate you listening. Just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks, guys.